We're going to begin in Romans chapter 10. Romans chapter 10. Uh, we're talking about the voice of the Lord and faith being doing what you hear God say. So, or faith is actually acting on what God makes real to you. You could say faith is based on revelation knowledge. In other words, what God reveals to you uh, is what you can actually act on and get results with. Somebody said, how do you know if you're in faith? Well, results. Because if you're acting in faith, that means you're getting results. Uh, another way that you know you're acting in faith is because you actually have the witness of the Holy Spirit. Because he's the one that has revealed or has shown or has opened up uh, this whole new world and this whole new realm to you of the things that actually go beyond this world. So, uh, you know, God said, my ways are higher than yours. My thoughts are higher than yours, than a man's ways. Uh, so many times people that don't really have uh, much of a connection with literal, actual, tangible faith in God uh, will say, well, uh, you never can tell what the Lord's going to do. His ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. But as soon as you say like, uh, you know, this is the word of faith which we preach that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. That it is by believing and speaking that you actually access the kingdom of God and the realm of God and the things of God then people say, well, I don't know about that. I'm not going to believe it unless I see it first. And I just want to tell them his ways are higher. His thoughts are higher. Because you like to use that verse in other contexts, right? So people talk about uh, sometimes uh, the sovereignty of God, that God is sovereign. Well, what do you mean when you say that? When, when you say God is sovereign, I think most of the time, many people I've heard say that means that anything that happens in the world is the will of God. So everything that's happening is the will of God. You know, so therefore all of the destruction, all of the death, all of this is the will of God. That is not what the word of God says. But people will pull out their sovereignty of God card and say like, how could you dare to pray something or pray for healing even? Because obviously if it was the will of God, you would be healed. Well, obviously, if it was the will of God, every person on the face of the earth would be born again, and they're not. Because God gives us a free choice and a free will, and he doesn't force anything on anyone. He's a, what we call a perfect gentleman, which maybe we should try and develop some more of those in the 21st century, because it seems like there's not too many of them around. So, Romans 10, 17 says, So then, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Well, what is faith? Well, faith is believing God, trusting God. It forms a deep conviction in you. And how does it come? How could you actually act in faith? Well, uh, the Kittle Dictionary actually says that one of the biggest parts of faith requires a turning away from self-confidence, from anxiety, and from the, what the world has to offer and turning to Jesus Christ. So that is called the act of faith. If you think of actually repent, some people say, well, you know, if you confess your mouth, Jesus, the Lord, believe in your heart, God raised you from the dead, you will be saved. That's an act of faith. But you still have to repent, right? And they'll say, you got to repent. Well, what is that? Well, people get repentance all out of balance and say like, you know, some people say you have to ask the Lord to forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. You cannot do that. That is not possible for a human. 
Uh, some people, I've had friends get hung up on that whole thing and like, well, there must be some sin separa separating uh, me from God. And I say, okay, I don't think so, but maybe there is. So let's pray right now. I'll pray with you. And so I'll grab their hand and I'll say, brother, I say, Father God, we just ask right now that you just reveal to Dave as there's a sin that is like in between him and you uh, right now in Jesus' name. And then I'll look at him and they say, I say, did the Lord say something? That'd be funny if he did, wouldn't it? <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> and they, they gave me that same look that he gave me. And I said, okay, then never let that thought dominate you again. Because the devil is stopping you from having an intimate, close relationship with God by trying to tell you there is some unconfessed sin in your life. And I said, if it actually makes you feel better, just say right now, Father, I confess every unconfessed sin in my life. And I said, let's just get over it and move on. Because people get stuck in that. And they are dominated by the devil. Because actually in Romans chapter 10, at the beginning of Romans chapter 10, uh, Paul says, Brethren, my heart's desire and prayer to God for Israel is that they might be saved. For I bear them record that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So they have a zeal for God. Remember, Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1 that you may have a knowledge of God, a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of God. That is intimate, deep, intimate knowing of God himself. And not only that, it also includes, if you look in the Greek, it literally says acknowledgement of God. Well, you acknowledge the Lord and he will direct your path. So if you go by your feelings and you say, I just don't feel like God is hearing me today. I don't feel like I'm a Christian today. I don't feel like, you know, the Lord pays any attention to me that I have any sort of spirituality whatsoever. That is the opposite of acknowledging God. I mean, I like to get feisty when that happens, especially when it happens. And you're kind of like, you know, I like to say, I feel like the Lord's not even hearing me, but I know according to the word of God, if I lift my voice and I pray in the name of Jesus to the Father, Jesus said, my Father will hear my prayer. His Father will hear my prayer and His Father is my Father. And so you can actually speak yourself, for they used to call it school yourself into faith, even through your own prayers, because why? You begin speaking the word of God, and the word of God is powerful. Actually, Hebrews says, uh, Hebrews chapter 4, that the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. I think of that as like, it's sharper than any instrument man could fashion or man could make to the dividing in two of soul and spirit. And if you're having that kind of trouble in the morning, that is a soul problem. Yeah. Your mind, your will, or your emotions. And so what's happening is, if you don't pay attention, you're just going to live your whole life primarily dominated by the soul realm, giving in to the flesh realm. What's going to happen? Well, your flesh is going to have desires and then your soul realm that has not been transformed or metamorphosized by God's words will actually agree with your flesh. It's not a big deal. That's not really a big deal. Come on, that's not a big deal. What happens? You get this cloud of unreality that comes over you and then your mind, which has not been changed by the word of God, says, that's right. That is what you should do. And then you do it, and then your own spirit condemns you. 
Not God's spirit, but your own spirit's like, huh, what did you just do? And then you realize what you just did. And then you're like, oh, what is wrong with me? What are you doing? Well, you're again looking to yourself according to the flesh, according to like what you, you did this, you did that performance, okay? So keep that in mind as we read Romans chapter 10. Uh, continue with it. Uh, for I bear them record, verse two, that they have a zeal for God, but not according to knowledge. So just because you're on fire for God and you're excited and you're full of zeal doesn't mean you have any knowing of God. Right? So they had all of this zeal, but they took that zeal and they harnessed that zeal and they said, okay, we're going to find the law and we're going to do the law every jot and tittle, right? So every T crossed and I dotted. We're going to do, actually means every little marking that would be in that language, in the Hebrew language. Anyhow. And so, uh, for they being ignorant of God's righteousness are going about to establish their own righteousness. So they are excited about the things of God, and they're like, oh, this is great. I love God, and I'm going to get myself close to God. They have not submitted themselves unto the righteousness of God. That's in, in verse 3. Verse 4. For Christ, or the anointed one and his anointing, the Messiah, is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that believes. Believes is the Greek word pistis or pistio is from the same root word as faith, but it actually is the action of faith. It is the doing of faith, is the act of faith. For Moses, verse five, describes the righteousness which is of the law that the man which does these things will live by them. In other words, if you're gonna try to do this by the law, it's gonna be like a rigid master that's constantly on you. And really, you're going to feel like a failure most of the time because you cannot possibly live up to every part of that law in that way in your own strength. But the righteousness, which is of faith, speaks on this wise, or it speaks like this. Say not in your heart, who will ascend to heaven or uh, that is to bring Christ down or who will descend into the deep that is to bring Christ up again from the dead. But what does it say? The word, which is Greek word rhema, is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the word or rhema of faith which we preach. So let me just back up real quick and I'm read verse four. Uh, for Christ is the end of the law for righteousness to everyone that acts in pistis. Verse eight, but what does it say? The rhema is near you, even in your mouth and in your heart. That is the rhema of pistis which we preach. Right? So rhema is God speaking to you or the revelation knowledge of God, the spoken word of God uh, to you. It's, it's the reality of the word of God when the spirit himself makes that word real to you. That's a rhema from God. All right? And so uh, that if you confess with your mouth, verse 9, the Lord Jesus or Jesus as Lord and shall believe or pistis in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. So, or act in faith, right? If you shall believe or act in faith. I'm probably building up static, sorry, Jeremy. For with the heart, man believes, or with the heart, man acts in faith. Unto righteousness. So this is a heart thing, not an action thing. Who's good news, isn't it? And with the mouth... Confession is made unto salvation. So with your heart, 
you act in faith to righteousness, to being made right with God and favored by God. Favored by God means he's not mad at you. You're not a second-class citizen of heaven. You actually don't have less rights than Jesus himself has. You are loved by God with the same love that God loves Jesus with. That's in the word. John chapter 17, in the prayer that Jesus prayed, that they would know, Father, that you have loved them as you have loved me. Huh. <laughs> that God loves me and God loves you with the same love that he has loved Jesus with. In the same way that he has loved Jesus. As you have loved me, that you love them. Well, I just want to ask you a question about the all-powerful, all-knowing, ever-present God of the universe. And if there's anything that's beyond the universe, the God of gods and the King of kings and the Lord of lords, how much ability does he have to display his love towards you like he displayed his love towards Christ? Mm. For... With the heart, man acts in faith unto righteousness, and with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. For the scripture says, Whosoever believeth or acts in faith on him shall not be ashamed. If, if you don't have the righteousness of God in Christ, like 2 Corinthians 5.21 says you have, you are a shameful person. What do I mean by that? I'm not saying what you did is shameful. I'm saying you are a person that's dominated by shame. You, you feel like everyone else is more holy than you. Everyone else uh, knows God better than you do. Everyone else has a better place with God than you do. But that is not what the Word of God actually teaches. The Word of God, Jeremiah said, is like a fire that burns away the chaff and like a hammer that breaks the rocks into pieces. So the word of God appropriately received will actually cut out, like Hebrews says, Hebrews chapter four, the word of God is quick and powerful, alive and powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword, dividing between soul and spirit, joints and marrow, is a discerner of the very thoughts and intents of the heart. Man, if you could just get the word of God and receive the word of God. Oh, Jesus said, be careful what you hear and be careful how you hear. Because Romans 10, 17 says, so then faith or doing what you hear God say or being a person of action that does what they hear God say comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. That's the same word that we read in verse eight, the rhema of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing what God is revealing to you or saying to you or making real to you or making tangible to you. And Jesus actually said in John, I think it was chapter 14, that the, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. He will take the things of mine and make them real to you or display them to you. So actually, the spirit of God, he is the one who makes God real and the things of God real, and the word of God real. And what happens when he makes it real? That's him revealing. That's light. 
from God himself. And when that light comes, faith is present. Not my faith, not your faith. God's faith is present. So Jesus said in Mark eleven twenty two, have faith in God or lay hold on God's faithfulness. In other words, this whole proposition about speaking to a mountain, commanding it to move, and it moves, and you don't because you don't doubt in your heart, but you believe those things that you say come to pass. The way that you can have confidence in the words that you say when you speak to the mountain is that those words were revealed to you by God because God gave you light in the situation, and He said you don't have to be dominated by this thing, but you can actually speak to this mountain just like you spoke and said Jesus is Lord I believe God raised him from the dead and you were actually translated out of darkness into the kingdom of light in other words you're not walking around in darkness any longer not knowing what's going on not wondering what's happening but you actually are a child of the light and you're you are to walk in the light now, whether you actually experience the light or walking in the light or the blessedness of being able to see the way God sees totally depends on which part of your being that you are giving um, dominance to. What does that mean? Well, uh, Thessalonians says that, uh, Paul said, I pray God your whole spirit and soul and body be preserved blameless unto the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. So man, mankind, is a three-part being. First of all, man is a spirit. Secondly, man has a soul or possesses a soul. And thirdly, man lives in a body. You are not a body. And as you get older, you will appreciate that more and more. <laughs> that your body is not the real you. Okay. Back in verse 11. For the scripture says, whosoever believes on him or whosoever acts in faith based on what he said to them shall not be ashamed. So the faith life is a life that is free from shame. Because why? I am totally reliant upon God and what he says and what he does. Now let's go over um, real quickly. Proverbs chapter 20, or excuse me, chapter 4, verse 20 and 21. My son, attend to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not depart from before your eyes. Keep them in the midst of your heart. For they are life to those that find them and health to all of their flesh. My son, attend or give attention to my words. Incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear to my sayings. Incline your ear to my sayings. Jesus said, be careful what you hear and how you hear, right? What are you here? Uh, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Faith doesn't just come by hearing audible sounds that form words. Mm. Faith comes by hearing, which are the audible sounds, and hearing by God speaking to you. Now, you say God speaking to you. Well, um, Brother Hagin was... Uh, doing a conference in Hawaii. Wouldn't you love to do a conference in Hawaii? I just saw, I'm not a big Facebook person, but I just saw on Facebook this week, a friend of mine and his wife are in Hawaii. They're like, they're posting these pictures. And I'm like, oh, that looks nice. 
Um, and uh, so uh, they're in a conference with Kenneth Copeland and Charles Capps. And uh, on the way, he was a more experienced minister. He, so he said, what do you want to speak on? And so they all said what they want to speak on. So he said, well, okay, I'll take on, I'll, I'll speak on how to be led by the Spirit. And he said, one of those days on the way to that conference meeting, he said, the Holy Spirit spoke to him and said, most of my children are missing it because they are waiting on the, on the spectacular and they're missing the supernatural. They're waiting on the spectacular and they're missing the supernatural. Waiting on spectacular, missing supernatural. Well, what is spectacular? Well, if you would like to go, we don't have time right now, but if you'd like some time to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and look at the gifts of the Spirit and the manifestations of the Spirit, tongues and interpretation is spectacular. Prophecy is spectacular. Working of miracles is spectacular. Word of wisdom is spectacular. In other words, uh, uh, someone being raised up from like a, a wheelchair in an instant like that is spectacular. Hearing the audible voice of God would be spectacular. So we're talking about following the voice of the Lord and acting in faith. Don't miss the supernatural. What is the supernatural? Well, Proverbs 20, 27 says, the spirit of man is the candle of the Lord searching all the inward parts of the belly. So God's going to use our own spirits to enlighten us. Actually, Psalm, uh, in the Psalms, I think it's Psalm 18, David said, the Lord my God will enlighten my darkness. He will, actually he says, he will light my candle. He will enlighten my darkness. For by him I'll run through a troop and jump over a wall. Mm -hmm. So as soon as you get light from God, you can do things that seem impossible with man. Right? Romans chapter 8, verse 14 well, let's, I'm going to turn right over there because I'm so close. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Verse 16, the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. So a lot of times we're looking for something spectacular and we're missing something supernatural. John chapter 16, Jesus said, how be it when he, the spirit of truth has come, he will guide you into all truth and then he'll show you things to come. So God's spirit himself will lead us and guide us through our own spirit. Spirit of man's the candle of the Lord. So uh, the inward witness, which is the Holy Spirit himself bearing witness with our spirit, you know, Romans 8, 14, that we are the children of God. This is the first way God speaks to you once you're a child of God, one of his. I do that in my own prayer life, do you know? Like I just said, a child of God, a child of his, I corrected it. So when I'm praying to God, I'm not talking about God, I'm talking to God. So once you're a child of his, the first communication you get is his spirit bears witness with your spirit, you're my child, you're in my family. Well, that is the main way that he will speak to believers throughout their whole life. Is the inward witness. You could almost say still small voice. You know, God was not in the lightning. He was not in the thunder. He was not in the earthquake. But he was in the still small voice. But many times when we're trying to make decisions, especially if there's pressure on, man, we want something spectacular. 
We want, well, Lord, if you could just get a tongue interpretation, you know, then I'll know what to do. Do you know how sweet it is to have a spectacular manifestation? Uh, say like one of those vocal operations of the Spirit. And actually, it confirms what you have written down that the Lord put in your own spirit. What kind of stability does that give you? Because if you got like this amazing, um, spectacular, even vocal gift in operation, and it doesn't bear witness with what's in your spirit, you should just forget about it. Because the gifts of the Spirit are actually, um, we would call manifest, or they show up, or they're displayed, or they're utilized through imperfect vessels, which are called humans. But the gifts themselves are perfect. You could say, like, I like to talk to Dave when I talk about cars so I could get like this brand new car that's just amazing like a, maybe a sports car and I try to just drive it really fast around some curves and all of a sudden I go off and you know uh, take down a fence right and I dent up the car and everything like that and I'll say hey what is wrong with this car <laughs> I guarantee you I know what Dave would say to me he would try to figure out a really nice way to say you don't know how to drive that much power you don't know how to handle that much power so the gifts of the Spirit in themselves, they are perfect. But it's, it's, it's how they're manifested through. So somebody might, might, um, might be prophesying, inspired by the Spirit, and all of a sudden they switch over into the natural mind. Uh, they just keep going, and, what, and then their thoughts get involved, and there's lots of issues like that. But the supernatural is God himself bearing witness with your spirit. Jesus said, you're my sheep, and you know my voice. So as a child of God, in the kingdom of God, we actually know him. In John chapter 14, Jesus actually said that about the Holy Spirit, that you know him. But it doesn't feel like you know him sometimes. So if you always go by what you feel like, then you'll always feel like you don't know him, and you'll act on what you feel like, and so you'll never really uh, become intimately acquainted with him. But if you actually st stepped out in faith and did what God reveals to you, well, then you say, well, I, I do know you. You are my father. And you've set this up in such a way that I can have the most solid knowing on the inside that this is you speaking to me. Now, I'm going to have to close because of time. But let me leave you with these four things. If you're going to be led by the Spirit of God and follow the voice of God, you're going to have to develop your own spirit. What happens? Well, when you are born again, you, you are a new creature, recreated in Christ Jesus unto good works, right? And so old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. So there is no limitation on what you can receive from God if you act on what he shows you or tells you, right? If you act in faith. Then the grace of God, everything that is included in the grace of God, you have access to everything that's included therein. There's not a limitation. It's not like because the beautiful thing about the kingdom, which makes uh, self-righteous people really mad, is that I could be 75 years old and I could have walked with God for 75 years and someone that just didn't walk with God the entire time, they could be 20 10, 50, 85. 
the second that they accept Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, they have the same rapport with God as I do because it is not based on my lifetime of service. It's not like, you know, in the military, it's like if you have so much time in grade and time here, then you get these extra privileges. All This is not the kingdom of God. So you have to develop in these things. And Paul actually talks about being a, um, a baby, that you can only handle milk, you're not ready for meat. He talks about being middle-aged, he talks about being full-grown in the things of God. So your maturity in the things of God doesn't have to affect what you receive, but it affects greatly what you can give. Do you understand? I just want to say that little thing, because some people get the idea like, okay, well... If uh, as newborn babes I need to desire, desire the sincere milk of the word, that means I can't receive my healing because I'm not grown up enough. You know what? The best time to be baptized in the Holy Spirit is right after, immediately after you receive Jesus as Lord and Savior. The best time to be healed is either right before that or right after that. In other words, you'll notice in helping people, ministering to them, that if you tell them, you know what? Part of the package is health and healing. Part of the package is you've been delivered from the curse of poverty. Part of the package is being filled with the Holy Spirit, with the evidence of speaking in other tongues that you can actually, there is actually something supernatural that can help you control this thing that's so uncontrollable that Paul or James said, it's like a fire set on fire of hell. I think you need to pray another tongue. <laughs> but, okay, number one, uh, to develop your spirit so that you're actually acting on it. Because if you're developing uh, the other parts of your being, your flesh or your mind, you're going to act on those things. Real quick, the example I love to give is I love to run, so I have really strong legs. If I'm going to climb a mountain or climb a cliff, I'm going to probably use my legs because my upper body has not been developed. I still have an upper body, I just haven't developed it. And because of that, somebody else that would use their upper body because they have developed it and their lower body, they're going to get up much faster, much more safely, much more efficiently than I would. But I'm going to try to climb it and I'm going to come to a place where I can't do it because I need the upper body strength and I've been relying on my legs because I never developed my upper body to climb like I should have. Well, that can be your flesh and your realm of natural reason and your spirit so that your spirit is like my upper body. You never really uh, developed yielding to the new person that you are in Christ. So when a crisis comes, your reaction is from the flesh or your reaction is from the realm of reason. And then you later think about, oh, maybe we should pray. You ever have that? And so number one, meditate in the word. Number two, do the word. Number three, put God's word first. And number four, obey the voice of your spirit. Number one, meditate in the word. Number two, do the word. Number three, put God's word first. And number four, obey the voice of your spirit. Because your spirit's going to be telling you what the Holy Spirit is telling you. If you are born again, your conscience is a safe guide. But you can be born again, and you can go by mental reasoning and think that that's your conscience. Well, the word of God is the thing that's actually going to separate that out for you. All right, praise the Lord. Everybody stand. Every eye closed. Head bowed. Let's see, how do we do this? Let's bow our heads, close our eyes out of respect for each other. If you're here this morning and you have never been born again, 
meaning you've never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior and been made a new creature, been born from above, and you would like to be, I, I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. And I feel like I really need to say, even though we just ministered on it, that it, it doesn't, it's not about doing good things. It's great to good, do good things. I'm thankful if you do good things. But doing good things, no matter how good they are or how many of them you do, gives you no access into the kingdom of God. The way of access into the kingdom of God is through God's own son, Jesus Christ, and him alone. And it is through uh, receiving him. As many as received him, they're the one he gave the right to be the children of God or to come into the family of God. Jesus said to Nicodemus, who was asking questions about the kingdom of God, he said, you must be born again. Not, not, not you should be, not it'd be great if you were, but you have to be reborn. Not natural. The natural mind thinks natural. So Nicodemus said, do you mean I have to go back into my mother's womb and be born again? He said, no, no, no. I'm talking about born from above, born from God. If you're here this morning and you'd like to be born again, slip up your hand. I want to pray with you and I want to pray for you. Secondly, if you're here this morning and you... Uh, let other things come in and crowd out the things of God and you're really uh, in a backslidden state away from the Lord and you feel like you need to come back and you're ready to come back like the prodigal son. You've come to your senses. If that's you this morning, you'd like to come back, slip up your hand. We'll pray with you and for you. And finally, if you're here and you've never been baptized in the Holy Spirit, the evidence of speaking in other tongues since you believed, I want to invite you We'll pray for you and you'll be filled with the Holy Spirit. Receive power from on high. Slip up your hand. All right, Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word. Oh, thank you that you give us your word, that you make your word real to us. And Father, when you show us your word, when you reveal your word, that there is so much life there present Father, that it doesn't matter what the challenge is, doesn't matter what the situation is, that your words will come to pass. Father, we thank you for your words, that you actually set us free by your word, that you give us health by your word, that you give us light by your word. Father, we thank you for your word that you have sown into us today. Father, I pray for every one of us, Father, that the things that you want us to put into practice and to do, that not one of us will let one little bit slip. Father, that we will act on your word and that we'll walk in the life and the light that only you give and only you can bring. Father, that you've made us vessels to honor, that we're carriers not only of your word, but of your presence, of your glory. Father, we thank you. I pray this week that you'll give us a spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you, in knowing you, that the heart's cry, the cry of our hearts would be like Paul when he said that I may know him and the power of his resurrection. Father, that we every day, Father, hunger and thirst for you and for righteousness. Father, we thank you for your protective hand upon us and around us. We thank you for the blood of Jesus and all that that blood has purchased for us. Father, we look to you and we honor you. We thank you, Father, 
for your angels that are camped all around us on every side to protect us, lest we'd even dash our foot against a stone. Father, that our path is directed by you, that we're not left to walk in darkness, but we walk in light, that we're not children of the darkness, full of fear, but we're children of the light, full of freedom. Father, that you've given us direction and you've given us understanding and you've given us your very life. We thank you for it in Jesus' name. Amen.